afraid I've got some bad news. I know it. I love when he does that. Sometimes the things that make you better and the things that make the world interesting is a conduit. Something that's in between greatness and talent. And what do you do to bring them together? In pro wrestling, that is the most important thing in wrestling. Because you have to have a guy that can lead somebody that's the shits and make them somebody that's great one day. We've all had our moments. There was a day when guys, I hate to say it, I was the shits. Guys, but I hate to say it, I was the drizzling shits. Dang, it sucks to say it. But I tell you what, I at the end, I was pretty fucking good. And even when I was working with people like Ryback, I could take a nap and be better than that motherfucker any day of the week. Holla at your boy. The best matches WrestleMania when supposedly some agent said it. Yeah. Okay. I believe that shit. I believe that. That I've, I, I'm, I'm the shits. Oh, let me see. After you left the guy, you said John Cena, you, you put John Cena, uh, out on front street and I'm sure that tagged him. John Cena will probably make a statement about how when he first got into wrestling, who and who did he ride in the car with me? Who was the guy that went to the office and said, Hey man, y'all need to hear John Cena rap. The dude is talented. And they said, you know what? This is awesome. John was mad at me because he didn't want to be looked at as the rapper guy. But you got thugonomics. You're welcome. Fuck you, Ryback. You trying to tell me that I don't know what I'm talking about? That I'm not great? That I was the shits? You you base it off and you throw it on on an unnamed agent. Name his name. You named John Cena? Name the agent. I'll call him. I'll get him on the on the show. And we'll and I'll, I'll say, listen, I'm not saying that this happened. But at any point, did you ever tell Ryback that I was the shits? And I was famous for taking naps. I take naps every day. There's nothing wrong with it. It's great. Vince McMahon himself has ribbed me, pouring water on me while I was sleeping. Because everybody would go, hey, is uh, anybody got eyes on Mark Henry? Because he usually naps around this time. Find him. <laughs> oh, yeah. We had a lot of fun with my naps. Yo, yeah. And you go back. I challenge anybody. Go back and look at the match at WrestleMania with me and Ryback. See if you see any holes in it. I was a hole filler, even with people like you, who other people didn't want to work with. You talk about... Uh, the work rate, you wanted to get your shit in and think that that was getting over. You can post as many videos as you want of you giving me finishes. It's not 
the real thing. Until you walk up to me and punch me in my face, the world won't know how violent I can be. So when you feel froggy like that, you let me know what plane ticket, where I need to get a plane ticket to. I'll show up for that. Because even at 50 years old, I'm more man than most men will ever want to be in their dreams. And you start talking about cutting promo. I'm not cutting a promo. I'm saying this from my soul. I will tear your flesh off, bro. And that that's a promise. I'm not threatening you. I'm just saying as a reactionary thing, if you hit me, there will be hospital time. I'll make sure of it. And that's my response to Mr. Ryback. And I will never speak on it again. I won't because it's, it's a waste of my energy. I want to make this show and this show should be more about peace because it's Martin Luther King day. Uh, I'm going to read something from Martin Luther King's uh, one of his famous quotes here in a little while. And I'm going to let, I'm going to let it go, but I just wanted to, I, I just wanted to take that time to, to, to answer uh, what you said last night. And I'm so glad that you unfollowed me. So now I don't have to see these, ridiculous commercials of you peddling bullshit to pay your bills. When you were so great, when you were so good that you didn't hurt people, when you chopped me with them damn gloves on, I used to tell you every time, Hey man, uh, you know, you could take scissors and cut that metal bar out of the inside of those gloves. And maybe you won't hurt everybody. And maybe I should tell him how you used to sit in front of Vince's office and beg to change everything because that didn't make you look big and strong when I never did it because I knew I could make chicken salad out of chicken shit. Biggest guy, strongest guy in the company. I lost to Ray Mysterio, the smallest guy in the company. Didn't complain, not one bit, was an honor, was a privilege. I lost to a guy with one leg, Zach Gowan. Did I complain? Did I say, no, nah, we're changing this? Welcome to the hoops podcast this is a podcast about life which just happens to be centered and focused around the world of professional wrestling we tackle the topics of the week both inside and outside of the squared circle while also focusing on the issues that are plaguing the world today whether it's wrestling sports life or anything in general we've got you covered right here on the hoots podcast and now here's your host Josh Lopez.
And, and if that doesn't work, then by God, me and my friend Mark, we're going to stop watching. That's right. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to episode 241 of the Hoops Podcast. Hope you guys are having a wonderful week so far. It's just truly the nefarious bro. Adam, you can follow me on Twitter right now at the Hoops Podcast. I'm also on Instagram, Instagram.com backslash Joshi Lopez94. That's J-O-S-H-I-E Lopez94. On Instagram. Also, if you want to see me do some good guitar covers. Go check out Josh Lopez music on Instagram as well. I just posted 17 new covers on that page on Sunday. Um, I'm going to be recording some new ones this weekend as well. And um, this with this transition and moving to my new house, uh, this is going to be uh, where I'm usually recording myself. So go check out the music page. Thank, thanks to each and every single one of you who take the time to give this podcast a chance and support for what it is. I really do appreciate the support from each and every single one of you. This podcast comes to you free of charge every single Thursday on Apple Podcasts, anywhere you get your podcasts from. Make sure to bookmark ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. I want to give a shout out to Brad Carr for always contributing to the show as always. You'll hear him later on for this week's edition of The Thoughts of Derrico. And we got a lot to get to this week. You guys see the title of this week's episode. And it's a question that I never thought I was going to ask. Even with me being the biggest detractor of all elite wrestling. The question for this week's podcast is, is AEW a bus? I'll explain that question when we get to the what the hell is wrong with AEW segment later on in the podcast, right? Um, I'm also going to be addressing what went down with Ryback and Mark Henry on social media um, later on in the show as well, because it's a very pertinent issue that's going on through wrestling media, and it's something I think should be talked about on here, uh, on the podcast. But, first and foremost, before we get to the fun and games, all I ask for you guys as a favor is to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. Honestly, you don't have to pay a damn thing for the podcast. Uh, you enjoy it for what it is. And it comes to you free of charge every single week. Also, if you could, if you if you use Apple Podcasts, leave us a four or five star review. It helps expand the reach of the show. And more importantly, I get to gauge on how you guys feel about the show positively or negatively or anything like that. So uh, please uh, send us some feedback and we do appreciate the support. So uh, first off, I want to send a couple birthday shout outs really quick to my Wella. I love you. And uh, also happy birthday to my cousin Dominic, who turned 21 today. So a couple birthday shout outs out of the way. And um, yeah, let's let's have some fun. So as we always do here in the Who's Podcast, we have a segment called the Good Brothers Q&A. That's the segment where all my friends, family, people that support this podcast, they take time to ask me questions. They send questions to me on Twitter or at the Who's Podcast at gmail.com. And I come in here and uh, shoot the shoot with you guys. So uh, you guys play such an uh, essential part to this podcast because it is, it's called the Hoots Podcast. Hoots, who don't know what hoots are, is a derivative term to say brother or friendship. This is a brotherhood podcast. I appreciate all my good brothers and good sisters who support this show for what it is. 
And that's why I carve out the first 30, 40 minutes of the show to answer your questions. So I do appreciate the support that you guys do give this show. It really does mean a lot to me. It means a lot to Brother Carter as well. So thank you guys. So, and, and I've mentioned this over the last couple of weeks. I've been uh, doing these uh, Good Burger Q&A sessions on Facebook. So for those who are watching live, uh, you can send your questions as well. And we'll, we'll get to the fun part. But uh, we're going to start per ritual this week with the Good Brothers Q&A session with the good brother Chris Zaletta. You can follow him at Twitter at xteenzaletta24x on Twitter. Uh, he says right here, what's up, Ooze? Here's some questions for the Q&A this week. Who advances to the Super Bowl? Well, we always got to go with context here. Who I want to go to the Super Bowl and who's going to go to the Super Bowl, right? Um, I want Buffalo to go to the Super Bowl because I just think they, I think this year they've just resembled like the most inner team, if I could say that, out of any team in the NFL this season. Like they're just well-oiled from special teams to offense to defense. Uh, Sean McDermott's a really good coach. I don't think he gets enough props for how good he is. And i love to see them beat Kansas City, but that probably won't happen. Um, and then when it comes to the Packers and Buccaneers, uh, I put this on Twitter. This, poor, this damn game is like a lose-lose situation for me. But, you know, in the history of the Super Bowl era, there hasn't been a team like the host city, their own team has never hosted a Super Bowl that they played in. And I think that's very intriguing, but just how this whole season's went and um, just how I'm looking at the NFL right now, I, I, I don't see any scenario where the Packers are not in this Super Bowl. So right now it looks like we're going to have a State Farm Super Bowl with um, Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes. And I'm just going to sit back and, um, I don't know, prevent myself from throwing up. So... <laughs> That's my answer, Chris. Um, I wish I had a better uh, outlook on it, but for me, like I'm sure it'll be fun games to watch, but me, I really don't care who wins the Super Bowl at this point or who's in it. So, um, Next question. Teams to watch in MLB this upcoming year. Uh, well, first off, uh, I'll have to say my – and this is not being biased. I'm just looking at the roster as it is. I think my Chicago White Sox are going to um, – kick some ass and take some names this season. I also say watch out for the Padres. Uh, it looks like they're putting their money where their mouth is and they're uh, buying all these big-name talent. I didn't know San Diego had that much money. Uh, so uh, it looks like the front office is not sleeping in San Diego. They actually want to go all out for it. And good for them. Um, we'll see what happens. They got a good squad. Um, I definitely say don't look out for the Chicago Cubs. But, but as I say that, you know, the Cubs are in such a shitty division. Even with them getting rid of most of their players, they are probably, in some ways, um, <laughs> they're going to find a way to walk into the division title because the Essentials is hot garbage. So, <laughs> I would be su surprised if the Cubs make it to the playoffs this year. And let's see what else. Uh, he says, best QB out of this Manning-Rivers-Rotlisberger class. 
Oh man, that's that's a good question. But all three of them have had their peaks and valleys, and that's the very intriguing part about this question. Um, Legacy-wise, it would probably be Ben Roethlisberger, just for the fact that he has two Super Bowls to uh, boast. But also Eli has two Super Bowls uh, to boast about as well. Uh, Rivers uh, just announced his retirement yesterday, so... Salute to you, Philip Rivers, and uh, the fact that you're the best lead-in to 60 minutes out of any NFL player in history. <laughs> um, I got to give a shout-out to Hoodie, because you always said it on his uh, radio show. You know, you know the, the charm about Philip Rivers is that every time he had a game, uh, especially during that late afternoon window, it would be the fourth quarter. He's down by, let's say, three points or seven points, he's down a touchdown or a field goal. He's marching down the field. It's garbage time. Defense are playing prevent, right? He's marching down the field, and you're just waiting for that moment for Philip Rivers to throw an interception, and boom goes the dynamite. There it is. Philip Rivers throws the interception. The Chargers lose. 60 minutes up next, only on CBS. <laughs> so... I think for me, I'd probably say, I think Ben Roethlisberger is probably going to be the best quarterback out of that 2004 uh, draft class. Mm, this is an interesting question here. He says, top 10 tag teams of this decade from the start of 2000. I, well, you know what, Chris? I'm going to switch that to 2010 to now. Um, <laughs> so we'll do that. We'll do... Um, Okay. Ten teams? Shit. I can't I can't put them in order, but I'll give you ten, okay? Beer Money, Motor City Machine Guns, G O D see. New Day, the Usos, Undisputed Era. Yeah, that's a great question. The, the North. <laughs> Grizzled Young Veterans. Yep. Dying. Let's see. I, it's hard to put them in order because they're so good and all very different in their own ways. You know, Briscoes. I uh, gotta get a Ring of Honor plug in there, right? And. Uh. Oh, well, I'll put the Young Bucks in there just so I don't get a bunch of shit for people. So, all right, Beard Money, <laughs> uh, G.O.D., uh, Usos, New Day, the list goes on and on. I think those are the 10 ones that really stand up the most to me. That's a really good question, though. You know, one, day's, uh, one of these days, I, I got to start making, like, a top 100 list of best tag team matches I've transcribed. Or just top 10 lists of different types of matches that I've transcribed. I think it would be a nice little feature for the website. Uh, I want to get you guys' thoughts on that. Um, next question. Do you think Tom Tonga will ever become heavyweight champion at some point? Well, I certainly hope so, because that dude is fucking gold on the bike, and I love watching him perform. So, yes, I would love to see uh, Tom Tonga become a world champion. Will it happen this year? Probably not. But it all depends what level does Tom Tonga bring himself up as far as being the leader of Bullet Club and and will Jay White still be there 
and that just leaves the power of Bull Club in Tabataga's hands. So that's the question. Do I think he could be an IWGP champion? Sure. Will it happen? We'll just have to see. Who would you like to see to who would you like to see return to NXT from the main roster? That's a cool question. Um Let's see. I like to see if I can pick out a woman from the Raw or SmackDown roster that I think would be a good fit for NXT right now. I mean, they got enough heels as it is. You know what? You know, Chris, I'd like to see Liv Morgan as a singles performer in NXT. How about that? Plus, you guys know my deal here. More more Liv Morgan on my television is best for business. (laughs) Do you think we'll see Brock Lesnar at the Royal Rumble or WrestleMania? I think we'll see Brock Lesnar at both. My favorite Royal Rumble. Oh, boy. I got to tell you guys, uh, last year's Royal Rumble is definitely up there as far as one of my favorite Royal Rumbles of all time. Man, to think about it over years, uh, you know, a lot of people say that the Royal Rumble is their all-time favorite wrestling pay-per-view, and I can't blame people if they had that perspective. I think always for me, just being a traditionalist, obviously, WrestleMania being the biggest show of all time out of any major, more key wrestling shows that have been produced over the years. But when I look at the Rumble, it's always been something that I've looked forward to as well. So there's always been special ones that stood out to me. I mean, you look at... Uh, 2006, where Rey Mysterio won the World Rumble in Miami, that one was really awesome. Um, even coming off the heels of Eddie's uh, passing, uh, you look at the World Rumble at Madison Square Garden in 2008, where John Cena came back. And, he, and during that time, I wasn't a John Cena fan, but th- just that moment of him coming out and that pay per view as a whole was really good too. You know what, Chris? My favorite World Rumble pay-per-view is 2000. My favorite Royal Rumble match is 2014. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I just want to get you guys <laughs> Um No, my, my favorite Royal Rumble match of all time for me is um, 2001 where Stone Cold won the Royal Rumble for the third time. I uh, just love that uh, Royal Rumble match. Uh, here you go. Here's a good question. Is there any Royal Rumble winner you would go back and change? Well, I don't know about change. Uh, I know a lot of people are like, oh, Batista should have won in 2014. Oh, Roman should have won in 2015. I had no problem with Roman winning in 2015. It's really during that time period where I started noticing the fickleness of wrestling fans and what how to take certain wrestling fans with a saint, uh, with a grain of salt. Uh, so, man, I, that's a, that's a great question because I think for me, I I probably would have had CM Punk win the 2011 Royal Rumble and have him uh, start that initial feud with John Cena at that WrestleMania. If you're going to do the thing with The Rock and Punk and Cena, had that all be three years. And that's not a slight towards um, the Miz, who did a great job towards that WrestleMania 27 build. But I think for me, it had to be Punk 
and Cena going against The Rock. And I think Punk would have been a great guy to win the Royal Rumble. It'd definitely be a better alternative than Alberto Del Canto, uh, who won the Royal Rumble in 2011. So, I, I for me, I think I would definitely say that CM Punk would probably be the only one I would change back in 2011 uh, when they had that big-ass 40-man uh, rumble um, in Boston. Uh, they got to uh, think about doing that again, uh, a 40-man rumble, because, I mean, their roster is so loaded from top to bottom. I don't know how much time they're going to be able to pull it off, you know? <laughs> That's the thing. Next question. Comes from a good brother, Eddie. Uh, make sure to follow him at Twitter at KingEdward15. He says, uh, what is one WWE match you want to see that we haven't yet? I need to see if anybody's done research on this, but there's two of them. One will be Aleister Black against Sheamus. And the second one is Walter, the Ring General, against Daniel Bryan. That would be the, the match that I would like to transcribe, if you will. Okay, next questions coming from King Ajar. Yes, make sure to follow King Ajar uh, on Twitter at King Ajar, A-J-A-R. Uh, he's a good brother to the show. He says, first question, what is top tier about Charlotte's in-ring work in 2020-2021? Well, I think with context, I think anybody uh, with a rational mind would say that 2020 wasn't Charlotte's best year of her career. Um, I, When I look at top tier and try to put uh, a perspective on where certain talents are from my point of view. Like, for me, I'm not one of the, like, Rusty B members that was, that's tied down to booking and what's this and what's that. I let your overall body work um, curtail my perspective on you and what you do in the ring, most importantly. I know a lot of people put character work uh, in storylines on a pestle above wrestling, but the marquee and why I watch this stuff is wrestling. And even when Charlotte was taking L's and stuff like that, she, in a lot of ways, and why I look at her as the best women's wrestler in the world, um, is the fact that she's presented as the standard bearer. She's the measuring stick of women's wrestling in WWE. Where people like that or not, she just is. You notice more of a physicality that comes towards Charlotte with her opponents every time she's in the ring. And yeah, you can say, oh, Charlotte gets more time because she's Ric Flair's daughter and blah, 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 blah. But there's another thing when people come to you and start questioning your position. But it's another thing where you... You notice every time you have somebody in the ring with Charlotte, whether it's a tag team match or a singles match, Charlotte brings more out of her opponents, even if she won the match. For example, I thought Charlotte and Rhea had one of the greatest women's wrestling matches at WrestleMania of all time last year. That was one of my favorite matches for the two-night event for WrestleMania last year. And I 
and as a guy who's covered all these other wrestling promotions, I'll put that match against anybody. Now, it, am I going to say Rhea and Charlotte's match for WrestleMania the greatest women's wrestling match of all time? No. But when, when I look at top tier and Charlotte's injury work, it's that. She's the measuring stick. No matter what position she is, no matter if she's the champion or not, she is the measuring stick as far as what goes inside those ropes, and that's what I care about at the end of the day. It's not about, oh, do I think Charlotte's character is top level compared to Sasha or Bailey? That's nothing to do with that. When, I, when I'm analyzing pro wrestling, as far as who I can separate the good ones from the bad ones, it's what you do in the ring at the end of the day. For me, Charlotte, out of everybody, makes everybody better in the ring when she's in there with them. And that's that's my opinion. Thoughts on Alexa Bliss squashing Asuka? Well, I don't think she squashed Asuka. Um, you know, it's one thing where you have these character shifts in character shift type of matches uh, that, you know, on the surface, oh, they just ran through Asuka like she's nothing. No. You have somebody in Alexa Bliss who's very talented at what she does, and she's entering this new phase of her career in this character, and her having some momentum to beat the Raw Women's Champion before the Royal Rumble is important. And if it was a squash match, the match would have been two minutes long. You know, I, I look at a lot of t uh, narratives that go through wrestling and buzzwords like, oh, this person lost, they didn't get any offense, so that means they're squashed, that means they're buried. No, that was the story of what they wanted to go to with that match. Alexa had the psychological advantage before the match even started. When you have Asuka who also plays her own mind games and ways, when you throw her off her game, she can be vulnerable as well. Now, when you look at the, when you want to compare it to something different, where Asuka lost to Charlotte at WrestleMania 34, which was a really good match, the difference there was a competition. Charlotte found a way. She outsmarted Asuka to win. That didn't mean Asuka was buried. I'm so tired of, oh, if Asuka loses one match here or one match there, she's buried. She loses the women's tag team house. They're buried. They don't see anything in her. Asuka is very good. She's had multiple title reigns. She's had multiple championships. She just main evented Raw. I don't think you're just going to put Asuka in a position to be squashed in the main event if they don't trust her to get this new character of Alexa Bliss over. Like, do you get what I'm saying here, guys? Like, I, it, it just, it's really simple and narrow-minded to look this on paper and, okay, okay, Asuka got little to no offense against Alexa Bliss, and Alexa Bliss put that Asuka with the sister Abigail on Raw on Monday. And for me, it's, it, it's, it's not just that simple, guys. It, it, no, Asuka was not buried. No, Asuka is not losing her stock. And if that was the case, they would have put the Raw Women's title on the line on Monday. So, last question for King. He says, better Mania match for uh, Sasha Banks. A, Trish Stratus, B, Bianca Belair, or C, Io Shirai? 
With the options here that I have, I would go with EO. Uh, I just think that'd be uh, a good match. Obviously, Sasha and Trish should be good for like nostalgia purposes and like that fancy matchup. But I think it's a little early to have Sasha against Bianca Belair, so that's why I'm not uh, picking Bianca. But I think EO would probably be the best one out of the three. And if I had to pick another option, I would put uh, Kaylee Ray in the mix as well. So that's a good question, though. Thanks for the questions, good brother. All right, next set of questions come from the good brother Patrick Fritz. You can follow him at Twitter at RatedPWF on Twitter. Uh, Patrick's been a good uh, brother to the show for many years, and uh, I really appreciate um, him being a good brother, man. Uh, he says, <clears throat> do you think Mania this year will work with it being two days and with fans being allowed to attend? I certainly hope so, uh, because I don't know how much longer W's going to be able to pull off these bigger shows with nobody there. Um, you know, New Japan has been able to pull this off, and obviously Japan has handled the pandemic way, way better than we have here in the United States. So I certainly hope so. Um, with it being a two-day event in Tampa, I think it's really cool. Um, and it would be a different vibe for both shows, obviously. And... I, I I like the concept, so I'm I'm really curious to see how they go with the rollout of this event in Tampa. I, I mentioned on Twitter that when you have this event, those who pay tickets for the event, like myself last year, should have first access to the tickets for both nights because I think that's only fair for the people who miss out on the WrestleMania last year. And obviously, it's a very different situation now. You're going to have people that are leery of even going out of their own states and fly down to Tampa to go to the event. So I'm just very curious to see how all this is going to play out, though. I, I like that question, though, Pat. Um, the next question for Pat was, let me scroll up and find this good brother here. Just one second here, guys. He says, if you could date a diva, past or present, Enterprise, regardless of promotion, who would it be? That's a good question. You know what, Pat? I'm going to put that in three different categories. Okay? No, two categories, okay? Right now, for me, if I could date one, would be Anna J. And then in, in her prime... God, that's, so, that's hard to say because a lot of these women are still even hotter when they're in their 40s, too, which is a, <laughs> a great thing about life and evolution, right? Um, oh, it has to be Mickey. I, I can't... <laughs> I'd be uh, a hypocrite to come in here and talk about Waterfall and say what I like about this and not mention the first women's wrestler I actually liked, liked. So, uh, Mickey James would be the one as far as the it, in her prime category. I mean... There's a lot to choose from, obviously. Uh, I, I've been switching back and forth as far as present between Anna Jay and Paige. But um, I think Anna Jay gets the the number one nod, from my opinion there. So, uh, good questions, brother. And then uh, the last batch of questions here we got is from Nate the Great. He's at Twitter at Psycho Nigiri. You can follow him at Twitter there. Uh, Nate, a good brother of the Pipe Bomb and the Hoots Podcast. He says... If you get superpowers, which would you want to have? 
Oh boy. Um. Uh, probably uh, inv- uh, to disappear the invisibility. I think that'd be one I like to have. Um. Do you think there's a logical reason Oscar rarely defends her title? Well. What's logical in pro wrestling? I see. What what's logical in pro wrestling? I'll tell you this because I see this a lot. Oh, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. What about pro wrestling makes sense? I mentioned before. I think the women's tag team division, the women's tag team titles, serves no purpose to the women of WWE unless they're gonna have their own show. Um, I think it gets in the way of the women's title opportunities for both Raw and SmackDown due to the fact that the women just don't have enough time to showcase what they want to do and get all their storylines over and get all their title feuds over when you have so many main level main male performers on the roster, it's just hard to pull that off. Um... Yeah, of course, Asuka should defend her role with Ms. more. I don't know why that's not the case, but I would say it's illogical for her to that she rarely defends her title. That's just the predicament that she's in right now. She has defended a title, um, but it's the one tag team title, and I, I, I'll continue to say this. I just don't think there's a need for it. Uh, if you're going to have a women's tag team division, you're going to have women's tag team titles, leave it off until you have your own show on the network. I just don't think it does the division, no matter what brand it is, any favors. So, um, rank your level of fan for each Chicago sports team, one to five, and what your favorite memory is of that team. That's a good question. Well, rank my level of fandom for each team. Uh, well, obviously, being a Bears fan right now, um, my level of fan probably be at a four. White Sox five, Bulls three, Blackhawks three, and I think that's pretty much it because I don't watch soccer. So I think for me, uh, being a Bears and White Sox fan, those are the top ones that stand to me. It just goes back to how I was as a kid. I baseball and football were my main two sports. Um, honestly, looks like the White Sox and Bears are going in the opposite directions as far as their teams are concerned, which is unfortunate. But at the same time, I like what I'm seeing from the White Sox, and uh, they're coming out of their final leg of their rebuild. And I'm just really excited for the future of the White Sox, and I'm really curious to see what they do. So, who would you like to see as surprise entrants in the Rumble this year? I don't know if we're going to have surprise entrances, guys. I really don't. Um, and part of me is kind of concerned about the Royal Rumble this year, not because the matches or anything like that. I think they're all going to be fine in their own way. But for me, I think the atmosphere of the Royal Rumble and the charm of it is having that crowd be there to do the countdown and have that initial genuine reaction with a surprise come out. I, no matter who comes out and whether it's the women's match or the men's match, you're just not going to have that same feeling of rumbles in the past. And how could you? I I don't know how they're going to pull it off. I really don't. 
you know, having a Royal Rumble with virtual screens and piping noise. I mean, I'm, I'm curious to see how they're going to pull it off. What do you think is Brock's next match? I think Brock Lesnar's next match should be with the almighty Bobby Lashley. That would be my answer to that question. I know you don't. <laughs> he's a great one. I know you don't like AEW, but how? But how could they build Cage back up? Well, that's the thing. <laughs> I was told by Tony Khan that he was gonna build up Miro. Look where he's at right now. You know, <laughs> like here's the thing. I it's nothing personal with AEW, and and a lot of it's nothing to do with booking. It's just this. The product as a whole is sucks. <laughs> I don't know what you do to build them up. Okay, you're gonna have Sting and Darby Allen just make one of the most legit groups that you actually have out of the fucking fifteen factions you have there look like jabronis. <laughs> I just don't know what they can do to build Brian Cage back up, and that's something because I like Brian Cage. But that's just the problem with AEW. They put people in positions to serve what purpose? Like, you don't know why they're there. You bring in Brian Cage, he goes down to John Moxley. You bring in Lance Archer, he goes down to John Moxley. The late great Brody Lee, same thing, uh, losing to John Moxley. You bring all these talented big guys, and a guy, that's, a, that's a big issue there. You have these. Different looking guys from all these indie riffing generic spot monkeys, and you just have them lose to a guy who's not that good as you think he is. Like, no offense if you're listening to this, Mox, but <laughs> I, I, I get a chuckle out of people who put like John Moxley as a top three wrestler in wrestling today. I do because it's not true. And honestly, who has benefited from any program that he's been in with John Moxley? Honestly. And I think Brian Cage is a main victim of that because he made him tap out in his first title opportunity. You know, we all want to talk about suspension of disbelief and this, is this real or that's not real. Like, you mean to tell me that that guy made Brian Cage tap out? Really? Like, I feel so bad for Brian Cage. He lost to Darby Allen a couple weeks ago in that TNT title match. And where do you go from here now? <laughs> I just I just don't know what they're doing with them. I, I like Team Taz. And that's the sucky part about this, because Team Taz is one of the few things I actually like about AEW. And... Um, I wish I had a better answer, but I, I really don't know what you do. They like, what would you do, brother? <laughs> I mean, I can say another thing, but oh, he just goes on a massive way streak and just mauls through everybody. But we've seen that over and over again from so many promotions. I, I, I hate to say this, but I think Brian Cage is a lost cause. You can't beat Darby Allen for a TT champion because we have a fucking 60-year-old man when a baseball bat comes down to the ring. Like, what else are you supposed to do? You, you just cut Brian Cage's nuts off, basically. So, I, I have no idea. 
favorite activity to do in the winter to summer. Uh, it's the same all year round. That's play music, record this show, and watch wrestling. There you go. <laughs> when I was younger, I played a lot of baseball and uh, football. But also one of the things I liked doing like during like the spring and start time, I liked to like be in the backyard of my grandpa's house and we play guitar and stuff. That that'd be like all, a lot of fun stuff in the past I used to do so. Um yes. Thank you to Nate. Thank you to Eddie. Thank you to King. Thank you to Pat. Thank you to Chris. Yeah, you guys brought it this week. Good Brothers Q&A session this week. Just fantastic. I appreciate you guys' support as always. As always, if you want to send your Shirley a question, all you have to do is send me a question at the Hoots Podcast or the Hoots Podcast at gmail.com. Coming off after this next commercial break, when we come back, I'm going to be talking about what happened this week in the world of WWE. Stick right here. Uh... Sip, uh, what did Hawk Harrison say uh, back in the day? Sit back, uh, strap back, and settle down. And we'll be right back, right here on the Hoots Pop. That inescapable feeling fire melting my flesh will never go away if there was any semblance of compassion left in my body it left as that inferno engulfed my face i'm wearing this mask to not only protect myself but to shield everyone else from the horror that i endured a lesser man I consider myself lucky I came away with first degree burns the burns could have been much more severe that fireball could have disfigured my entire face forever but I don't blame her I don't blame her I blame him I blamed the fiend. And I sent him straight to hell. There's no doubt the fiend is responsible for this. Alexa was merely the vehicle. And I know exactly what the fiend wants. He wants to stop me from achieving the inevitable. He 
seeing my face burnt to a crisp, knowing that their biggest threat may have just been eliminated from competing in the Royal Rumble match, but you could chop off all my limbs and it wouldn't stop me from winning this year's Royal Rumble match. Because despite my sickening affliction, I vow to remain in the Royal Rumble match. I can only compete as long as I can tolerate the pain. But the funny thing is, I enjoy the pain. It fuels my every move. So everyone can thank the fiend when I burn their Royal Rumble dreams to ashes and I go on to main event, Wrestlemania. Welcome back here, everybody, to the Who's Podcast. Uh, time to talk about what happened this week in WWE. Uh, we're going to backtrack and start it off with Friday Night SmackDown. And the Tribal Chief of Pro Wrestling, unfortunately, fell for the okie doke. Adam Pierce pulled a 180 on the Tribal Chief and Paul Heyman. And it is official, it will be Roman Reigns against... Kevin Owens in a last man standing match for the Universal Championship at the Royal Rumble. Now, Kevin Owens was on Talking Smack with Paul Heyman and some interesting words to say. Uh, if you guys haven't seen that clip, I advise you guys to go check that out. The promo you just heard from Randy Orton um, is one of the main takeaways I have for programming this week. Anybody, any promotion around the world, male, female, any performer that you are, I want you to take notes from what Randy Orton did. Now, mind you, Randy Orton was wearing a Destroyer-esque mask, and I'm sure people had their little funny jokes and whatever about it, but listen to the context of the words that came out of Randy Orton's mouth this past Monday night on Raw. You want to get yourself over as a heel? You want to have people... Understand where you're coming from as a character. You want to add nuance and substance and layers to your stories. Listen to Ray Orton did in that in that promo. Now we go always debate and has subjective debates on whether verbiage for this storyline or that angle makes sense or not or blah 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 blah. But you listen to what Ray said on Monday. And it hits the T to everything he's done in the past year. And it's very ironic because it was around this time last year where Randy Orton started to make that switch again. 
and bring back the real Raynorton out. And I love the promo on Monday. You guys knew how I felt. Raynorton was the best on the mic and one of the best wrestlers of 2020 last year. And it was not even close. And what Raynorton continues to do is just top-notch stuff. It's something that um, I hope is remembered when Raynorton does go to the Hall of Fame because this is some of the best character work in wrestling I've seen in years. This dude, he just... He's clicking on all cylinders right now. I really don't know what else to say about Ray. He's just that good. I'll 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 mention this really quick when it comes to Monday Night Raw. I thought the show was okay. I didn't think it was great. I didn't think it was horrible either. Um, let's look at this. I look at like the the hurt business, right? They beat the Lucha House Party and Matt Riddle, the six man tag, and. We had this dissension now with Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin, and I know this is kind of like the lead up to our AEW segment, but like I want, I want Cedric Alexander to understand this really quick. You are very soon on your way to go into AEW Dark if you keep acting up this way. I'm not telling you to fall in line or anything like that because I'm not part of the hurt business or anything like that. But I would if if I was a wrestler. And I think I put in a legit group, like the Hurt Business, one of the best groups in wrestling, right? And a golden opportunity for a guy that was stuck in catering and chasing after the 24-7 title, right? You would think that just because I got a couple of victories in a tag team title, that that wouldn't get to my head and that that would prevent me, that, that would cause me to get kicked out of the group, right? Is this the trajectory you want to go, Cedric? Because that's not a good business decision. Because as soon as you leave the Hurt Business, you're probably going to get released. And that's just being honest. So I hope they have some... I hope this is something where they're playing this out. And, you know, Cedric uh, gets back in good graces with the guys. But him trying to act out and him being Prime Alexander, wherever the fuck that is. Uh, <laughs> it's not working, guys. <laughs> so... Um, I got to tell you, man, seeing Gilbert on the show on Monday during the third sheet segment was fucking hilarious. I, I, I started crying laughing. I thought that was great. Uh, the mini McIntyre guy looked like uh, the YouTuber JD for New York. Uh, you're welcome for that, guys. Mace defeated Xavier Woods. You know, you look at that match on paper on TV, like, oh, it's whatever. It's Mace. I don't like Retribution. But... You kind of need those type of wrestling matches on TV, though, you know? It's not about it being filler. You're having a match where a guy is having an opportunity to showcase what he does in the ring. Yeah, maybe to you, you don't care about Mace, but I'm, I'm sure to Mace is the, the biggest opportunity you can have. I look at performers that don't always have titles and stuff like that, and I look at them, and I look into the effort that they put into those type of matches. Sure, you see towns that probably are disenchanted and maybe go through the motions, but when you see a town like that Mace putting in effort, or a guy like Apollo Crews, what he's been doing over the last couple weeks, a Dana Brooke of the world, the Mandy Rose of the world, you see them maximizing the TV time, and that's the key of the game, guys. Especially if you're not a hand-chosen performer or your your talent so super superior to everybody else like a Sasha Banks. You have to put the extra effort and it has to show in your work, in, the, in your facial expressions, and how you carry yourself in these shows. 
Because, yeah, you can go through emotions. You can start feeling sorry for yourself. And you get lost in the wayside. But, okay, maybe you, on a particular Joe, Joe Schmo wrestling fan, looking at Twitter trying to come up with snarky tweets just to get retweets and likes, may not care about a certain match, but that match could be very pertinent to the future of somebody's career. And that That's just the way it is. <laughs> uh, I look at SmackDown, you have uh, Dan Bryan's is already at a bar burner. Uh, that match was fucking awesome. Uh, I thought Shinsuke's match with uh, Jay Uso was really good last week on SmackDown. I think overall this week, I think SmackDown is a better show than Raw. Uh, we're a couple. We're actually, believe uh, it or not, I think we're ten or eleven days out for the Royal Rumble. I'm recording this on a Thursday, and I'm really curious to see. Honestly, right now, guys, I have no idea who's going to win the men's Royal Rumble match. No idea. Absolutely no idea. I have my thoughts and theories on who I like to see win the women's matches, but that's just up in the air. What's not up in the air is that, you know, I was mentioning how good Sean's been doing in the ring, but I have to also mention, I think she's at her best right now, peak waterfall stats right now from Charlotte Flair. Mom about me, man. Good for you, Andrade. You are the man. Um... <laughs> Space Mountain uh, lives on uh, then, now, and forever. I, <laughs> Ric Flair, uh, he's going to do what he wants to do to be on television, and you tell Ric Flair no. <laughs> Doesn't matter what the situation is, that dude's going to say no to anything. Uh, if you need like a good throwback Thursday video, please go check out the Ric Flair, Jay Lethal, Wu-Off Fest, because that's one of the funniest segments of all time. Um... Let's see what else stood out to me this week from Raw. I, I, I mentioned what happened with Alexa Bliss and Asuka earlier, so we, we really don't need to rehash that. Um, and that was, uh, I think that was pretty much it for the show. Like I said, I think uh, SmackDown was better than Raw this week. Uh, I saw that Sasha's uh, challenging Reginald Thomas to a match, so we'll see what Sasha does with the Circus Soleil wrestler. Uh, that's not going to be a long match. Uh, nor, nor should be, but um, we'll see what goes down there. Uh, King Corbin's story to power to Mysterios. I'm curious to see where that goes. Uh, I thought NXT was pretty top-notch last night. Um, NXT, uh, I, I put it on Twitter. I really appreciate the fact that NXT has match layouts that make sense and don't insult your intelligence and disrespect the referees. Uh you know, we have the start of the Women's Tag Team Classic uh, for Dusty Cup. Uh, uh, freaky Casey Cadizaro. Talk about maximizing your TV time. That reverse Phoenix Splash, remember the fuck she did on NXT last night? It was dope. And then you had a uh, couple good Dusty Cup matches. We had The Way lose to Kushida and Leon Ruff. We had uh, Lucha House Party defeat Imperium, which kind of bummed me out because you guys know how much of an Imperium fan I am. Uh, but we did see Alexander Wolf up here on the stage after the match. So you got to wonder, is the big man coming down? Is the ring general coming down to, to Florida? Uh, I hope so, because I missed that whole group together as a unit. Uh, so hopefully we get to see those guys on there sooner or later. And um, 
I, I really like the promo that Pete Dunn cut on Finn Balor last night. Uh, I thought that was really good as well. So some good stuff from NXT as well. So another solid week uh, overall from WWE. And also, the, could be remiss without mentioning, you could also see Dusty Cup matches on 205 Live. Uh, make sure to go check that out on Fridays and Thursday Network or ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. Okay, we're going to take one more quick break. When we come back, I'm going to review Hard to Kill from Impact Wrestling and give you some brief thoughts on the Road to New Begin Tour for New Japan Pro Wrestling and what is going on with Ryback and Mark Henry. We'll be right back, right here at the Hoots Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Hoots Podcast. Got more to say before we get to our main event of the evening. Uh, I was going to mention we got to talk, give some thoughts on what happened for the Impact Hearts to Kill period that happened this past Saturday in Nashville. I posted this question out the other day on Twitter. I want to give you guys thoughts on this. Um, if the announcers are so desperate to tell you about why AW and TNA working together is such a good thing. Uh, five weeks in, do you think uh, that's a good business decision, or is the partnership actually working? And I ask this question because I, I we've known this whole thing with AW and Impact. They got an angle going on with Kenny Olivier and Don Callis and the Good Brothers, right? And it's like. They put this out like it's the Monday Night Wars, like it's the biggest thing ever in wrestling. And I sit back there and I watch these shows, and nothing has changed since that Omega Cow's uh, turn or that moment where he beat John Moxley to become the AEW champion. All I've seen is that Rich Swan has been put in the back burner in favor of Kenny Omega. AEW has more weight and power over Impact, and. Dynamite is still Dynamite, and Impact is still Impact. So, my question to you is, what has really changed in this partnership? Oh, okay, Pride Party show up on Impact, they're the number one contenders for the Impact World Tag Team titles. Okay, you want to give me that? That's fine. But, I maybe it's just me, but I'm not buying this whole AWTNA partnership. <laughs> I just don't see it. It feels really, really forced in a lot of ways. I watched Hard to Kill the other day on Saturday, uh, the cover for ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. And for a period that cost 40 bucks, you had a couple matches here and there that necessitated that, but I thought the period cost way too much money. I really liked... The Deanna Perrazzo, uh Ty Valkyrie match, I thought that was a really good back for contest for both ladies. I thought that was fantastic. Also enjoyed uh, the match with Eddie Edwards and Sammy Callahan. I'm not really the biggest fan of hardcore matches, but went to pull it off and what those guys put each other through on um, Saturday. I thought they did a fantastic job. So that, that was another one that stood out to me. Also really dig the... Uh, Rohit, Raju, Chris Bay, Manic triple threat match for the exhibition title. I really thought Chris Bay was going to win, but Manic retained. And then the main event, uh, when it came to uh, Moose, Rich Juan, and Chris David against uh, Kenny Olivier and the Good Brothers, that match was really good, but also kind of predictable, too, in the same way the match layout and the finish. But um, 
uh, some really good spots in that match as well. So, um, overall, I thought Hard to Kill was a solid pay-per-view. It did not feel like a home run that like, I thought it was going to be, um, unfortunately. But um, it was nice to hear Matt Stryker and D'Lo uh, Brown being the new commentary team. It Anybody besides Josh Matthews is going to make Impact's uh, product more enjoyable to watch. So... Um, also, I want to send congratulations out to uh, Madison Ray, who announced her retirement over the weekend. Madison has always been one of the uh, female wrestlers from TNA that I've always been, uh, always been into as far as performers. Uh, very underrated ring, a good heel. Always been beautiful, obviously. But um, a good career. I thought I actually enjoyed her commentary uh, from here and there. And uh, she had a great career, so I want to uh, send out uh, congratulations to Madison Rain, and hope uh, she has some fun in the next chapter of her life. So, um, I want to talk really quick about the Road to New Beginning tour that's been starting. Uh, this did three shows on, uh, let's see, Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday, and uh, we're building up a lot of matches like Rumble against Show for the Junior Heavyweight Tile is going to be taking place on February 10th. Uh, we got uh, Kota Ibushi against Sonata in the double championship match. That will be taking place on for February 11th. Uh, I got three shows coming up this weekend that I kind of cover from Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Uh, one of those shows will be having a match with uh, Suzuki Gun against El Fantasmo and Taiji Ishimori for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team titles. That should be a good match. Uh, also going to see... Uh, the United Empire having singles matches with uh, Tenzan and Kojima. So we'll see what goes down there. Uh, Looks like Okada's trying to uh, get into a singles match with Evil. Hopefully they get signed by the end of the tour. Because those guys always have good matches with each other. So, kind of sad school right now well, with New Japan. But I always have a blast covering those events, and uh, it's a good time covering New Japan Pro Wrestling as well. So I want to give you a little quick uh, New Japan update there. And then, finally, in this outside of the WWE AEW bubble segment, I got to talk about what happened with Ryback and Mark Henry. Look, I came out here before, and I mentioned that Backback does absolutely nothing to serve the wrestling business. Uh, what he did to CM Punk, how he carries himself, the fact he does uh, a talk show weekly with uh, dirt sheet guys, I have no respect for. Uh, that's just not good. It's not a good look for him. Uh, his social media is very hypocritical. Here's a guy who retweets the secret and all this shit, but the dude goes on soapboxes about the WWE and how he was mishandled and that uh, they missed out. And he has his vendetta against Vince McMahon and Triple H and all this stuff. Like the thing is, for me, especially as a guy who covers the business and been doing this since 2013, I become more numb to the people that go on soapboxes about WWE, especially former talents that get released because. It's one thing to look at a performer and say, okay, yeah, you were treated wrong. You were this, you were that, right? And then it comes to the point where it's so repetitive and it's so frequent. I start to tune him out, you know? That's the thing. Like, right back going on soapbox about how he was held back by John Cena and all of this stuff. At the end of the day, right back, you fucking failed. You need to shut the fuck up. You need to go the fuck home. And you need to stay the fuck home. 
because you are doing no benefits in the wrestling business besides further damaging it, uh, calling it fake, props, all this sh- bullshit. Right back, you fucking sucked. Period. You failed. You can't cut promos. Your in-ring work is okay at best. And if honestly, any of you believe that Ryback is going to make an impact, if you will, on AEW or wherever he goes next, I'm sorry to tell you, it's going to be the same, same position as Miro's in, which is going to be a good transition for my next segment. But I have to say this. Big props to Mark Henry for calling him out on his bullshit. Because what Ryback does on social media does damage to pro wrestling. It's guys like him. It's guys like Disco Infernos of the world who go in their fucking soapboxes and say nothing that helps the business grow. It's all about what benefits them and their fucking bruised egos. And I have no respect for Ryback. I don't. It... it him going on soapbox is like a fucking 15-year-old scorned girlfriend that got dumped by a guy and... Meh, 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 like, shut the fuck up, dude. I, I have no respect for fucking people who act like their shit don't stink. Why do you think I don't like Sammy Guevara? Honestly. So, big props to Mark Henry. I played the uh, the intro of the clip. Obviously, you guys heard already. Uh, Mark Henry already said what else I need to say on that topic. So, I just want to give my thoughts on that really quick and get that off my chest. Because it's been bothering me over the last couple days. Like, right back. Go the fuck home and stay the fuck home, please, for the love of God. On that note, it's time to get to the part of the show that you all been waiting for. The Restaurant Quality Edition of the Best segment in all professional wrestling podcasting in 2021 it's known as what the hell is wrong with aew and ladies and gentlemen we're gonna start off with the one and only the nefarious brother carter uh the guy with bad takes sometimes no i'm kidding uh here's brother carter we're gonna start this off in a three two one It's time for What the Hell is Wrong with A.E.W. What the Hell is Wrong with A.E.W. Okay, well, let's just get right into it. The Chaos Project is absolutely a horrendous faction. They're god-awful. And they were cutting a promo on a kid. Man, that's solid stuff right there. To be fair, though, I actually thought that that was fine. I I get what Chaos Project was doing. They were trying to do something for Brody Lee's son, which I thought was kind of cool. So that was fine. If they want to do it for one week, that's fine. But if they keep it going, then we're definitely going to have a little bit of a problem there. But just in general, I can't stand Chaos Project. I think that they're useless, they're bad wrestlers, and they just don't know what they're doing. So is it just me, or does anybody give a damn about the inner circle drama? Like, it's it makes no sense at all. It's boring, it's terrible television, and quite honestly, it's bringing down the careers of everybody in the inner circle. I don't care about the drama. 
And I just want the inner circle to be the inner circle and then get along with it. When we're going to talk about the inner circle's match a little bit later on in this segment. But I just don't care about the inner circle drama at all. I think it's boring and horribly scripted stuff and just a general waste of my time. There's a weird promo from Sting and Darby Allen and Team Taz, and I really hope this doesn't mean that Sting is wrestling again, even though I know that I am wrong, and this will absolutely mean that Sting will be wrestling again. Um, it, it was just weird. Like, Team Taz is good. Darby Allen is good. Uh, Sting, fine. But like I said, I've said before, Sting just doesn't do it for me. He just doesn't... He, I, I don't know why he's there and the purpose that he serves. Like, I don't understand what he brings to AEW. So it was just a weird segment and just a weird promo in general. I didn't really like it. Okay. What the hell is happening with Don Callis and the Young Bucks? I don't get it. I don't get, I don't get it. I don't care about the elite. In fact, I'm going to go ahead and say it. The elite sucks. The elite sucks. And Kenny Omega is by far the most overrated superstar of all time. He's awful. Kenny Omega is a garbage champion. Don Callis, I don't care about. The Young Bucks, I don't care about. This whole feud, I don't care about. And the Young Bucks can't act. They can't go to promo. It's horrible. It's god-awful. The Elite sucks. And if this is what they're basing their com- their company around, all Elite Wrestling, I understand why it's in the toilet. We have a ravishing Rick Rude wannabe in Pretty Peter Avalon. Once again, AEW has no identity. And then... Avalon taps out because he doesn't want to get slapped in the face by Cody Rhodes? What the hell kind of an ending is that? Boy, that's some solid, solid storytelling. And apparently next week, Cody Rhodes is going to respond to Shaq, which happened like three weeks ago, and I completely forgot about it because Shaq is busy doing inside the NBA now that the NBA is back. So, again, just horrible storytelling. I I completely forgot about that segment because, quite frankly, I didn't care. And I don't understand why Jade Cargill is still on TV. What does she bring to the table now that Brandy is out? absolutely nothing okay let's see what else more ratings talk with ftr no one cares someone gets the job to john moxley nobody cares at least moxley can cut a promo okay what the hell were those spots in the top flight and private party uh, sorry top flight matt Seidel private party matt hardy match too much of that stupid crap doesn't work the flow in the match was terrible and and like there was a ton of missed spots a ton of missed moves, because they're all trying to be all fancy schmancy, and they blew it. They can't do it. And if you do it over and over and over again, it doesn't work, and it ruins the the effectiveness, and it ruins the speciality when you do a major spot. Too much of that stupid crap and of spots and not telling stories, which makes it boring and worthless and another horrible match uh, on the show. Miros, oh, oh, and uh, sorry, Private Party turned heel for no reason, apparently. Fine, I guess Matt Hardy is, I guess Matt Hardy's going to be a heel now, too. So, fine, don't care. Miro sucks. Kip Sabian sucks. Chet Taylor has diminished so far since he's been with Miro. And this whole angle is stupid. I don't care. I'm not buying it. Miro sucks. I know why WWE got rid of him. And then we get to the obligatory women's match on AEW, and it was fine. I actually like Hale, I actually like Layla Hirsch. I think she has potential. Penelope Ford was okay; she was fine. Um, but again, AEW still means all except women. You don't have Britt Baker on your show. You don't have your champion on her show in Hikaru Shida. You don't have Nyla Rose. You don't have Vicky Guerrero. What the hell is up with AEW's women's division? It's the worst part of their show. And any woman that works for AEW should be ashamed to work for that promotion. 
because they get no time and they're pushed. They're basically pushed to the, they're probably the last thing that's written on the show. Nobody in AEW cares about the women's division. And quite frankly, and this whole AEW heels push thing is a bunch of BS. AEW does not care about their women's division. And it's obvious with the booking of their women and how much time they get every week on the show. Then we get to the main event. Chris Jericho looks absolutely horrible. God, he has lost it. He's horrible. At, did you see that? He couldn't go in the ring. His timing was way off. Jericho needs to hang it up, dude. And he is a shell of himself. And AEW is making his career go even worse. And AEW is making his career and making himself look worse and worse every single week. Hager was okay. MJF was all right, I guess. Guevara, Sammy Guevara looked good. I liked his opening spots or his opening sequence with Jericho. And the best part about the inner circle this week was Santana and Ortiz. They look great. I thought Santana and Ortiz looked fantastic. They need to put the branch out on their own and actually be a legitimate tag team because them against FTR could be pretty cool. I actually would like that. You knew that Jericho and MGF were going to get the win once their remix hit. So no real surprises there. And then, did you notice how they almost ran out of time? Like, they got the they, 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 they quickly got the pin, and then they had to immediately cut to the end of the show. Even the announcers were like, uh, guys, there's a minute left. Uh, guys, there's less than a minute left. What are they going to do here? Like, the whole timing of the show was off. The whole flow of the show was off. All Elite Wrestling does not know how to run a television program. And for the people that say that it's the greatest promotion in the planet, I don't know what you're smoking because it's a god-awful promotion. Seriously, what the hell is wrong with AEW? This has been What the Hell is Wrong with A-E-W. Thank you much, very much. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Brother Carter, for the submission this week, as always. What the hell is wrong with AEW this week? I'm going to pose the question that I asked in the beginning of the show. Is AEW, as an alternative promotion, a bus? I'm really grasping at the thought of watching a show for two hours every week. A show that goes nowhere. A show that's completely rudderless from a formatting point of view and storytelling perspective. A show that has match layouts that a two-year-old probably written out. Where do I even start with this shit? Let's start with Miro. You know, one of the identities, if there is any, with AEW is that they really love grabbing and latching onto talents that a lot of people on Twitter perceive that were misused or done wrong in WWE, right? So let's bring in Miro. Miro. Uh, <laughs> I remember I remember this before the, the Full Gear preview where Tilly Gow was having this big bravado and uh, going about how WWE abused Miro over for five years and all this stuff. And that Miro, uh, Tony Khan, the wrestling genius himself, Tony Khan, had rebuilt Miro. You know, he's never developed any wrestlers in his entire life. And he's only been a promoter for a year. But he's going to tell all of us that he's going to rebuild Miro. Hey, Tony Khan. Hey, buddy. 
How's that going so far? Because Miro is in the most irrelevant fucking part of your fucking company. Nobody gives two shits about this wedding that's coming up on Beach Break. Miro, this is the creative freedom you want? Why do you guys think that I laugh when people go on soapboxes about booking and how creative uh, puts a stranglehold on performers? It's because of bullshit like this. You you know why there's filters? You know why things go through certain channels to get approved? Because of bullshit that we see on Wednesday nights. That's why. That's not to say that, oh, there shouldn't be an opportunity to work and create and do things on your own without having the governor all the time. I'm not saying that. I believe in artistic freedom. But also at the same time, you also have to be realistic with what you're producing and what you're selling to your audience. Talk about putting Townsend in positions not to succeed. Miro, a bus. Brian Cage, a bus. Lance Archer, a bus. I can keep going. The inner circle sucks. The elite sucks. Their tag team division sucks. Their women's division sucks. Their announced team sucks. Do you get the drift now? Do you get the drift? All Elite Wrestling. What is All Elite? What is even Elite about AEW? A fucking shitty ass triple threat tag team match with the Inner Circle to prove what? That Chris Jericho and Ed Jeff are going to have a title match with the Young Bucks at Revolution? Awesome! So great, I can't wait. I, I can't wait to be the first one to buy a ticket for that. Oh. No, I'm not going to Jacksonville to watch that shit. Chris Jericho, the COVID god, making an ass out of himself, looking like Axl Rose as the weeks go by. Fucking stumbling and bumbling over the place. Dude, you need to get off my TV. Go home. AEW had a really good opportunity. To establish themselves as an alternative. And I asked that question, why is AEW as far as the alternative promotion a bust? I believe it is because they've lied to you and they spit in your face ever since the inception of this company. They've told you one thing and they've done the exact opposite. And... You know, you guys want to hold WWE to the fire for mistakes they make, and you know, you guys, you guys put them in a, uh, on a standard and all that stuff. You should do the same thing for other wrestling promotions too. I'm sick and tired of this whole double standard bullshit. Be consistent with your takes. You want to hold WWE to the fire for their storylines and their matches not making uh, not making sense. You should do the same thing for AEW as well. I really don't care about booking at the end of the day. And when I can, when I can see that your matches and your proc in the ring sucks, that's a problem. I don't care that John Moxley and Eddie Kingston can swear all the time and that your guys' show is rated TV 14. That does not mean your show is good. 
If you need to fucking curse and swear and all this shit to make yourself look better, <laughs> are you? Peter Avalon, a mainstay on AW Dark, gets a two-segment match with Cody Rhodes and decides to tap out because he doesn't want to get slapped in the face. Picture if that angle went down on a Raw or SmackDown. Just saying. What else here? We got uh, tag matches again that either overstay their welcome or don't make any sense in the tag team layouts. I feel bad for the referees sometimes. But even then, they messed up too. I got to mention this as well. Stop with the fucking two-hour-plus editions of Dark. For the love of God. Nobody's getting over on that show. The matches are going way too fucking long. If you're having a 14-match card, why? Why are we doing these mega cards on a Tuesday night? Who's getting over on that? And you tell me you're going to have a... Uh, a superb third hour of television coming to TNT soon? Really? I appreciate the concept that you want to give indie talents an opportunity to shine and do their own thing. But giving a match with a guy with a, let's say, a 4-20 and 20 record against a guy that's a 20-2 and 2 record, and the match goes 9 minutes, what the fuck are we doing here? It's frustrating. I want to enjoy this. We're in 2021. And I have yet to enjoy a fucking episode of Dynamite since this year started. Not one. I can't count the Brody Lee episode because Brody's uh, tribute show was in December. And that was a great show. And I put that over. And justifiably so. It was a great show. But what are we doing here? Sting! It's Sting! It's Sting! Who cares? Oh, we got this great partnership with Impact. Who gives a fuck? You guys are stuck in the same position as you guys were before you got in this partnership in the first place. Wake up! You have the golden opportunity of a lifetime to do something that hasn't been done in 20 years. And you're wasting it away because you want to have your promotion be centered and predicated on the opinions of Dave fucking Meltzer. And people like him. AEW is a bus. And that is what the hell is wrong with AEW. On that note, I want to thank you guys so much for um, taking your time to check out the podcast this week. As always, you can follow me at Twitter, at the Hoots Podcast. You can follow me on Instagram, at JoshyLopez94. That's J-O-S-H-I-E, Lopez94, on Instagram, and at Josh Lopez Music. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast right now. It comes to you free of charge every single Thursday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcasts from. And if you're an Apple Podcast user, please leave us a four or five star review. It helps expand and reach the show. And I want to know what you guys think about the podcast. Uh, next week, 
Uh, we'll be ready to uh, make predictions. Yes. For the Royal Rumble. Yes. Believe it or not, the Royal Rumble is just around the corner. Looking forward to that. And uh, we'll have predictions for that bad boy. And um, the road to 250 episodes continue, folks. We're nine episodes away. We're going to make it. But um, this has been episode 241. Uh, make sure to book bar by the way, so you guys can be updated with what's going on with New Japan and all the 20 shows that I cover a week. <laughs> so go check out the website. And... Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, also, make sure you go check out the TBD Wrestling Podcast as well. It's a, it's a really fun show to watch and listen to. So, uh, with that said, I'm Joshy. Hope you guys have a wonderful weekend. Remember, folks, be the authentic product that is yourself. And always remember, you are dictating the pace of your life. Nobody else. On that note, we're going to wrap it up. Enjoy the football this weekend. And uh, we'll be back here next week for episode 242 of the Hoots Podcast. Right now, we're going to send off to Brother Carter for this week's edition of the Thoughts of Derrico. I love you guys. Have a wonderful weekend. I'll talk to you all next week. Uh, yes, sir. And now, the Thoughts of Derrico. Listen well, man. Welcome, welcome, one and all, to what will undoubtedly be the most important piece of audio that you hear all week. It is The Thoughts of Derrico, featuring the one, the only, Brother Carter. Let's get right into it, and i uh, got a lot to talk about this week, especially on Raw. But let's get into SmackDown real quick. Uh, another great show on SmackDown this week. Um, I really like the pairing of Apollo Crews with Roman Reigns. I think that's awesome. It's given some more uh, more for Apollo Crews to do. He can learn a lot under Roman Reigns. I really like this pairing. And that could be something that could give Apollo Crews a little bit more momentum getting into his upcoming feud with Big E. That's great. So I love that. I don't think I mentioned this before, but so great to see Sonya Deville back on TV again. Um, I'm okay with her being an executive for right now, but she needs to get back in the ring, kicking ass, and being the dominant female performer that she is. She has championship written all over her, and she needs to be a future SmackDown or Raw Women's Champion, or even an NXT, NXT Women's Champion. I'd be okay with that, but great to see Sonya Deville on television again. Great to see her back with the company. Billy Kay is hilarious. And outstanding. She is wonderful. My goodness, was she hilarious this week with um, with her appearance on the show with Liv Morgan uh, and Ruby Riot. I thought that was hilarious. Out of the spl- uh, out of the two iconics, I would say she is doing more than Peyton Royce is right now. I love what Billy Kay has done with this. Yet I'm still trying to figure out why WWE split up the iconics in the first place. I can't figure it out. Um, they work so much better together, but. Billy Kay's making the most of it, and it's great, and I love it. There was some terrific wrestling on the show this week. Cesaro and Daniel Bryan put on an absolute clinic uh, in wrestling. What a great match. Uh, Cesaro getting the win, of course, but that was a great, great match, and I enjoyed that very, very much. That is what pro wrestling on a wrestling show should be. I loved it. And then, of course, Roman Reigns comes back, and we're going to get Roman Reigns versus KO once again. Um, on uh, upcoming at the Royal Rumble. Uh, I liked the the whole um, the contract signing thing. I thought that was cool. That was well done. Uh, cool. Uh, you knew Adam Pierce wasn't going to find a way to to uh, 
to be in that match, but he faked an injury or he said he had an injury. KO comes back and we're going to get him versus Reigns part two. It'll be interesting to see what happens on SmackDown this week and how Reigns responds. Switching gears to Raw, to Raw, ladies and gentlemen, Ric Flair will always be the man. Woo! I love what he's doing with Lacey Evans and costing his daughter matches. I think it's hilarious. Slick Rick will always be Slick Rick and he will always be the man. I love it. Um, not the best effort from Charlotte Flair and Peyton Royce this week. Uh, the match was okay. It wasn't their great. Their timing wasn't great. I didn't really think it had a good flow to it. I still think Charlotte Flair is the GOAT, of course, but even the GOATs sometimes don't produce the best. You know, sometimes, you know, GOATs don't necessarily produce the best milk. So, um, it happens. There's a bad batch of milk, uh, from a GOAT every now and then. So, you know, it happens. But, uh, Charlotte... Uh, so didn't really care for that, but Slick Rick was the star of that, and I thought that was great. Retribution needs something else to get them going, and I think they need some pyro, actually. Um, just their entrance, uh, if you add a little pyro to it, it could make it a little bit more emphatic, but I don't know, Retribution is starting to fall off for me, I'm not going to lie to you. Um, also, their names, I know they say this all the time, but the, God, their names are stupid. They're stupid. T-Bar, Mace, Slapjack, um, Ah, it's ridiculous. Call them their real names, please. Call them Dominic Dijakovic. Call them Dio Madden. Mia Yim. Uh, all of them. Shane Thorne. Like, call them by the real names. Their names are stupid. Uh, I'm going to get to Alexa Bliss in a little bit, because uh, she was next on the show. But, whoo, 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 she's on a whole other level. I'm going to get to that in a minute. Shayna Baszler needs to dominate in the women's division. I want to see her versus Rhea Ripley at Mania. Um, I'm going back and forth, and Brother Adam and I had a debate about this via text uh, earlier in the week, and uh, I'm going to address that in a minute, too. Ah, uh, gosh, I'm going back and forth between Shayna Baszler and Alexa Bliss on my pick to win the Royal Rumble. Uh, I'm going to go early prediction, and I'm going to say that, uh, I want to say that Shayna Baszler is going to win the Rumble, but, okay, I'm not, I'm not sure yet. It's either going to be Baszler or... Um, it's either going to be Shayna Baszler or Alexa Bliss is going to win the Rumble. I don't know who yet. I'm, I, I thought it was going to be Baszler, but yeah, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. Uh, fantastic match with AJ Styles and Ricochet. Um, that combination at the end of the match into the Styles Clash was just brilliant. I love it. I hope we get to see more of Ricochet going forward. I hope he gets to be in the Rumble and has an incredible showing because I think he could do something great. I love it. Could be a future U.S. champion down the line once Riddle is done with, um, Bobby Lashley. <laughs> okay. There was a lot of people that didn't like this segment, but I thought it was hilarious. Gilbert and Minnie Drew. When Gilbert came out, I popped. I thought that was awesome. That was hilarious. Miz and Morrison are gold. Absolutely terrific. Love them both. Love the whole segment. It was great. Um, also great to see Gilbert again after his medical issues. I thought that was absolutely terrific. And um, that was great. So great to see Gilbert again. I thought it was hilarious. I loved it. And Minnie Drew was great. Ms. Morrison are incredible. Ms. Morrison. Hey, hey. Ho, ho. Um, the upcoming feud between uh, Cedric and Shelton is coming with the loser getting out of the... Get up. Let me start over. Cedric versus Shelton is coming and the loser will get kicked out of the Hurt business. And I hope Shelton... Um, I hope Shelton loses and Cedric wins because um, the Hurt Business is the best thing that's happened to Cedric. If Cedric gets kicked out of the Hurt Business, then he's going to be then I, I he's going to get relegated back to um, you know to appearing on the show in dark matches and stuff like that on main event. 
So I, I, Cedric being him was the best thing that's ever happened to his career. And so I really think that once that feud is over, um, that Cedric uh, stays with the Hurt Business because that's the best thing for him. Speaking of which, all three of them work so well together. I love the flow of the Hurt Businesses. They're in a Hurt Business. They're an incredible team. They work so well together. They flow well together. They work. Keep them together. Either get them things work. Get things worked out. Uh, maybe have a new person join and cost one of them the match when the eventual match between Cedric and Shelton happens. Um, but Cedric's got to stay in there because he needs that man. Uh, okay, let's get to Alexa Bliss. My God, Alexa Bliss is on a whole nother level. Good Lord, she's fantastic. Sorry, Whew. I don't know that one. Sorry, see, so even, even my my speaker and device when I said Miss um, Bliss's name. Even doesn't know what to how to handle it because even she knows how great it is. Wow, she's on a whole nother level. She is approaching uh, Charlotte status for my favorite right now because my God, that is incredible. The only thing I didn't like about it was that the transformation took place during a commercial break and really wasn't that effective. I did that part about it. I didn't like. Uh, I'll be quite honest about that. Um, when, you, when we come back from commercial and she's different, it would have been more effective if it would have happened when the lights went out or something like that. It just, that kind of ruined it for me, to be quite honest. Um, so I didn't like the commercial break about it. But what an unbelievable ending to Raw. Uh, Alexa Bliss was amazing. Asuka was amazing in the in the segment before in the Alexis Playground and then getting into the match. Alexa, uh, Asuka is the perfect pairing for Alexa Bliss. That could be your Mania match. We'll see. I don't know, though, because I, ugh, I, th- that's why I think Alexa Bliss may win it, but I think Shayna needs it more than Alexa does. So we'll see. I don't think Alexa needs to win the Royal Rumble. So, And that's my take. Okay, so, and I'm, I'm going to say it, and I'm sure that Brother Adam is going to call me out at some point on his show, but he was saying that I think, oh, you know, it's two completely different things with The Fiend and with Alexa Bliss. Two completely different things. Neither of them need to win the Rumble. Uh, I think Alexa could easily get thrown into a title match without a Rumble win. So that, but at the same time, Oscar versus Alexa is the match, unless they want to do a tag match somehow with Bray and Alexa versus somebody. I don't know, but Alexa Oscar for the Raw Women's Championship, it's got to be the Mania match, I think, for the Raw Women's Championship. I don't know, uh, unless somehow Charlotte's going to get in there. So I, I don't know, mm-hmm. uh, but we will have to see. But what an unbelievable ending to Raw. Alexa Bliss is on a whole nother level. And I think she's absolutely, absolutely, absolutely fantastic. And I love it. Uh, the only positive thing I'll say about AEW this week, um, in addition to the kind of cool thing with uh, doing something for Brody Lee's kid and his birthday, I thought that was really cool. I really like that, getting the crowd to sing happy birthday to Brody Lee's son. I thought that was awesome. Really, really enjoyed that. If they do that for that one week, that's kind of cool. I really like that. Um, John Silver is hilarious, and the Dark Order is hilarious as a comedy group. They could absolutely work, and I'm really getting behind it. I thought John, I think John Silver is very talented, and I think that he has some potential, and the Dark Order could absolutely work as a comedy group. Great stuff from the Dark Order this week. Those are the thoughts of Derrico uh, from the world of professional wrestling. My final thought is this. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, for those of you that are living in the United States, we have a new president. And a new vice president, uh, and a new vice president. They are no longer president elect or vice president elect. They are president and vice president. And folks, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat or however you feel about them, we need to be. We need to give them our best wishes, and we need to pray for their success. Because if they are successful, then America is successful. 
The fights are over. Let's put our politics aside. Let's put our policies aside and let's work together however you may feel. There are some things I agree with our president. There are some things I definitely don't agree about with our president, but I wish for him and our vice president and all of our leaders to be the absolute best they can be and to have success in their new roles. And everybody needs to do that because then we can make America a great country. Thanks guys for listening. God bless you all. We'll see you all next week. This has been The Thoughts of Derrico. You're smarter now, man.